0: Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90min. As ever, I'm your host Harry Simu and on this edition we're going to be rounding up the latest Arsenal-related transfer reports. We're going to be rounding them all up, trying to make sense of them. I'll be sharing my views and my opinions on the stories that we're going to be discussing and I'd love to hear from you guys live in the chat box as well. So please do get involved Um, I want to say a massive welcome as well to the hundred or so uh, subscribers that join the channel overnight last night off the back of the last video we did the last podcast the last episode that we put out a massive welcome to all of you guys uh and, and thank you for signing up to the channel and and i look forward to you becoming part of the chronicles of aguna family um we are now just around about 100 subscribers away from the 14k mark which we've been kind of struggling towards uh for a little while now so If you are new and you like what you're watching, you like what you're listening to, then please do consider hitting that subscribe button. If you'd like to go one further and become a member of the channel, you can do so by clicking on the link in the description. And we'd love to have you guys, too. Without further ado, let's get into the latest Arsenal transfer news. And we're going to kick off uh, with the report linking Arsenal with a move for the Barcelona goalkeeper Neto. Now, according to reports Arsenal were in for Neto previously. Um, he's a player that they showed interest in uh, a little while ago. Again, during Mikel Arteta's tenure, but, um, you know, when they were looking at Renarsen, I think it was, that's the time when they were supposedly interested in Neto. The Barcelona stopper is limited in terms of his minutes. You know, he, he's not getting a look in at Barcelona. Ter Stegen is obviously the the main man at the Camp Nou. Um, Neto is in my opinion, one of the better backup goalkeepers, if you like. Uh, But of course, you know, there comes a point in your career as a goalkeeper where you need to be playing regularly. You want to be playing regularly and Neto is not likely to be afforded that opportunity at the Camp Nou. And so he apparently is uh, quite open to a move away from Catalonia. Now the Brazilian goalkeeper, as I say, is someone that Arsenal were credited with an interest in previously, but they made no progress in terms of the negotiations with Barcelona the first time around. Um, According to Mundo Deportivo in Spain, talks are now being held between Arsenal and Barcelona over a deal to sign the 31-year-old goalkeeper who, as I say, has wanted to leave the club for a little while now. Now, remember, Barcelona's situation right now is incredibly interesting because we're talking about one of the great institutions of world football, one of the biggest clubs on the planet. However, their financial situation right now is dire. It is a really, really worrying and concerning situation uh, for them. And they're going through a major cost-cutting exercise at the moment. Would Neto have been available Um, under normal circumstances? Probably not. Barcelona would have probably looked at the situation and said, well, we need a backup goalkeeper and we don't really need the money. Remember, whatever Arsenal are going to pay for Neto is likely to be uh, quite insignificant. Um, Insignificant in terms of what it would cost us, what it means to us. But from a Barcelona point of view, I think any fee that they can get in uh, as well as sort of getting him off the wage bill uh, is, is massive for them. He is supposedly on quite a high wage now i don't know exactly what that wage is uh, but he is somebody that would um you know that, that would help them in terms of lowering that uh, weekly cost at the moment um if they were able to move him on. I mentioned 31 years old. He's been capped for Brazil on just the one occasion. Uh, He joined Barcelona, actually, from Valencia uh, back in July 2019 in a deal uh, worth £23.4 million, which is quite a fair amount of money for a goalkeeper. Um, And obviously, he's been at Barcelona ever since. But as I say, uh, opportunities for Neto have been very, very limited. And you only need to look at the statistics Uh, during his time at Barcelona to gauge that and to understand that he has only made 17 appearances for the first team. In terms of his profile as a goalkeeper, though, he is thought to be the type of goalkeeper that Mikel Arteta is after. Somebody very comfortable with the ball at his feet, very happy to play out from the back and somebody that would complement our playing style. The problem here is that it's kind of contradictory to some of the reports that we've read over the last few weeks. You know, we heard that Arsenal were very close to doing a deal for Ajax's Andre Onana. Then we heard um nothing about that. It seems like that rumour has completely disappeared. And, and many people, many reputable journalists were reporting that the reason for that was Arsenal preferred a homegrown option. Um, And that was why they weren't going to pursue a deal for Onana. As well as that, he's got... um You know, he's got an issue, um, you know, with the the doping ban that he's currently uh, having to face. And I know that's been reduced, but there still is a ban currently in place for him. So that obviously complicates matters further. And, you know, those factors combined are said to be why Arsenal have uh, decided against pursuing that interest or original interest in Andre Onana. Then we were linked with Aaron Ramsdale of Sheffield United, but it's expected he is probably going to cost a little bit too much money if you're talking about a backup goalkeeper. And as I've said previously, yes, we've heard that Arsenal have greater funds available to them this time around or this summer than maybe we'd envisaged when the season ended. But is it so much money? Do they have so much money available that they can afford to spend in excess of £20 million on a backup goalkeeper? I'm not so sure. What is going on with Burn Leno? That is also key in this. You know, Burn Leno is someone who has been linked with a move away from the club for a little while now. Is that going to happen? Is that going to materialise? Is somebody going to come and stump up what Arsenal believe to be Burn Leno's value? All of that is very, very up in the air. So in my mind, I'm not actually sure if Arsenal are looking for a first choice goalkeeper or Arsenal are looking for a backup goalkeeper. If it is a backup goalkeeper, then Neto feels like a reasonably good sign-in. If it's a first-choice goalkeeper, though, is he an upgrade on Bern Leno? I would say probably not, uh, and therefore, this wouldn't really make sense. Now, Neto is, is according to transfer, Mark, then again, I always say this, these valuations, you know, you've got to take them with a pinch of salt, but their valuation of the Brazilian is £5.4 million, which is in a significant amount of money. Do Arsenal see him, though, as someone who could do as good a job as Burn Leno? But would be available at a fraction of of Burn Leno's value, and therefore, if we brought him in and sold Leno, we stand to make a significant profit that can then be invested in other areas. I think for me, Arsenal need right now as as it stands, Burn Leno is staying put. Um, I've I've heard nothing to suggest that that is going to. That is not going to be the case, that Bern Leno is going to leave this summer. We haven't had any bids come in for him yet, nothing concrete anyway. And so, in my mind, we should be looking for a backup goalkeeper, in which case I'm OK with the Neto deal. You know, we went and signed Renarsson last time out. That didn't work out, as we all know. And now Renarsson uh, is closing in on a move away from the club, a move to Turkey where he will signed for Altai Spor. And uh, from Chris Wheatley's information, it appears that that is going to be a permanent deal uh, that will take him uh, to Turkey for good. Um, you know, signed by Arsenal, we were led to believe as a third choice goalkeeper in the first place for Arsenal. Didn't make many appearances. I think he made six appearances. Um, he, made, he got a clean sheet or he kept the clean sheet in three of those. Uh, but of course, that game against Manchester City in the Carabao Cup was kind of a, a disaster class, wasn't it, from Alex Renard? And I think from then on, there are very few Arsenal fans out there that have any faith in him going on and sort of, um, you know, establishing himself as as a go- as a goalkeeper in the future at the the highest level. There were question marks about that signing when we made it, and I think those questions have been justified uh, by the fact that his performances haven't been up to standard, and the fact that the club are looking to move him on uh, so quickly. But yeah, I mean, going back to Neto, what do I think about him? You know, it's it's hard for me because we're talking about a goalkeeper who made, what did I say, 17 appearances for Barcelona since July 2019, which means he is not, uh, by any stretch of the imagination, a regular. Um, is he an upgrade on Berlino? It's impossible for me to say. But I just wonder, you know, I, I just wonder if Mikel Arteta is, is thinking to himself, what I just kind of said, which was if he can do the job that Leno can do and is a better fit stylistically, i.e., able and more comfortable to play the ball out with his feet, which is clearly something that's very important to the manager and clearly important to the way he wants to play moving forward. Does he see this as an opportunity to be a little bit clever, try and get Neto in um, and and let Leno go? And then the money that comes in excess of what we pay for Neto would be available to spend on either bringing in another goalkeeper or bringing up, uh, bringing in players in other positions. I don't know. The worry is, and I can see a couple of you have mentioned it in the chat and you're absolutely spot on. As I said before, Neto is on big wages at Barcelona. What that salary is exactly, I'm not sure, but by all accounts that I've read, it seems that he is uh, a very well paid player. And I wonder if Arsenal will want to make that commitment from that side of things. You know, the transfer fee at a time like this is not necessarily an issue. I think that, as I say, if he's rumoured to be worth around about £5 million, I'd imagine Barcelona would bite your arm off for that. They're desperate, as I say, to raise funds and to cut costs. But, um, you know... The wages are a big deal and the wages are probably more problematic, actually, uh, than any transfer fee, because that is something you're committing to paying over a longer period of time. So not entirely convinced about this one. Not sure about it. As I say, uh, rumours have emerged from Mundo Deportivo, who are a Barcelona based uh, publication. Are they always spot on? No. Um, Sometimes they, you know, they can be just like all the other publications that are looking for a rise during the transfer window. But what I found really, really interesting was how how interested they claim Arsenal were in Neto previously, because I'd heard whispers of it, but it was never like, you know, when I think back to that period of time, it was never one of those deals that we heard loads and loads about that I was kind of sure was going to happen or sure was at least being explored by the club. It was kind of mentioned, brushed under the carpet. And now all of a sudden, Mundo Deportivo are talking about Arsenal having had this major interest in Neto. And I'm not not sure if they're kind of overblowing this story a little bit. And if they are, um, then, uh, you know, we need to be wary of that, of course. Let's move on. Let's talk about a little bit about, you know what, before we do that, let's go into the comments because I can see lots of you talking uh, about this goalkeeping thing. Uh, Before we move on, let's see what we've got. Uh, Um, Inter says, uh, Arsenal don't have a clue what they're doing. Let's be honest. Uh, Brad Richardson says, if he's coming as a number one, then I'm not on board with this. I'd rather we signed Onana or Ryan. Guna 72 says, Onana is doable. But if we've been Leno, we're keeperless until November. Uh, Chris Pantelli says all these idiots that believe we have 250 million pounds. If we did, we would be so, would we be so bloody poor and useless in the market? I don't think anyone believes that we've got 250 million pounds, Chris. I think people just are pleasantly surprised by the fact that Arsenal seem willing to do uh, some significant deals at a time when I really feared the worst. You know, we were talking about going into our first season without European football for 25 years off the back of a global pandemic and taking into account kind of the issues that we've had over recent years. I think people were just pleasantly surprised by the fact that we are we may or look like we're going to have a bit more money to spend than they they initially thought. But 250 million is, is excessive. You know, we might spend 250 million, but if we raise 70, 75 million, from transfers, then that isn't really laying out 250 million. That's that's kind of the point. Um, And I don't even think it's going to be that much for what it's worth. But uh, that's, I think, why people are, are sort of a little bit more optimistic than they would have been before. Uh, What else have we got? Uh, Brad says, Aston Villa have a good goalkeeper. (laughs) Uh, Brad says, we're going into pre-season without a first-team goalkeeper available. Yeah, I mean, look, Bern Leno is obviously at the Euros or was at the Euros and he's on his holiday now, um, which, you know, he's entitled to. And and as I said on one of the streams yesterday, you're always going to get this off the back of a major tournament. You're going to start pre-season with some of your key players unavailable that's just the way it works it's not something you can necessarily beat Mikel Arteta over the head with if you want to have top international players at your club then there will be times where international duty will get in the way where they will be involved at major tournaments and therefore return later to the pre-season setup I mean what do you want to do do you want to have lesser players so that they don't get caught up in international tournaments um and don't get an additional two weeks off or whatever it's going to be. I don't know. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. A couple of you kind of calling for Nick Pope. Uh, Nick Pope is a goalkeeper that, yeah, I quite like. And I wouldn't be, um I wouldn't be uh, too, uh, uh, well, I wouldn't be at all against that. I wouldn't. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Colin says this hunt for a goalkeeper proves that Arteta did make a mistake and has realised it when he sold Emmy Martinez. I've never seen a worse period of business in Arsenal history. I actually disagree with that respectfully, of course, but I do disagree with that because it, it all depends on, on what I was saying about five minutes ago. Are Arsenal looking for a second choice goalkeeper, in which case... They didn't make a mistake on Martinez because Martinez didn't want to be that. You know, Martinez was not happy to fight for a position. Martinez has said that. We've heard it from the horse's mouth. He was unhappy because he was not guaranteed to be Arsenal's number one goalkeeper. And off the back of that, he decided that the best thing for him would be a move away. Now, couple that with the fact that Arsenal needed money at the time, needed to get uh, business done so that they could uh, strengthen the team in other areas. It just felt like a good fit for everybody. If Arsenal are looking for a first choice goalkeeper because they feel that Bern Leno is not good enough, then I would accept your point. But I don't think that's the case. I think that Bern Leno is seen as good enough. Arsenal made a decision to keep him over Martinez. Arsenal made a decision that uh, he was the number one. Leno himself has said repeatedly that he's never had the feeling from Arsenal that he was anything other than the club's number one. And what you're talking about here is Arsenal needing to bring in a backup goalkeeper. Now, remember, when you bring in a backup goalkeeper, It's all good saying, go and get this person, go and get that person. But that player is going to be well aware of their role in the squad prior to signing for you. And ultimately, for them to agree terms, they have to be happy, don't they, with that role in the squad. If they're not happy with that role, then they're not going to want to join you. And and this is the point. It's not so easy to go out and look for a backup goalkeeper, because what you're looking for is someone of a high standard who could step in and fill in and, deputised when called upon, but also has to acknowledge that they are going to be second in the pecking order and aren't going to play week in, week out. And that is even more difficult nowadays, given that we're not in Europe, because as I said previously, you know, the group stages, you could guarantee whoever that goalkeeper was going to be six starts in the Europa League group stages and you knew that Arsenal would be able to get away with that and still navigate safely through the group stages. You can't do that now. That's that's a load of games that that deputy backup cup goalkeeper, whatever you want to call them, was going to be guaranteed and now they're not. So it makes it even harder in my opinion to fill that position. As I say, if Arsenal are looking at Neto as a second choice goalkeeper, then I don't think you can say they made a mistake with Martinez. Um on that basis. You can say that if you genuinely believe that Martinez is a better goalkeeper than Bern Leno. And I think that's an an argument that, you you know, is certainly a valid one and certainly worth discussing. But I don't think the move that we're making now looking for a second choice goalkeeper is is because of that, because Martinez didn't want to be that. Uh, What else have we got here? Uh, uh, big hello to Thomas. Haven't seen you in the chat for a while, Thomas. How you doing? He says, hi, Harry. Arteta out. Edu out. Cronky out. Now, Arteta has no clue. He's a disaster. Out now before we as a club are dead. Uh, I, I haven't seen you for a while, but it's good to see your views haven't changed. <laughs> uh Jack Burgess says, instead of getting Kia Jurabshan's crap again in Neto, why are we going all why aren't we going all out for Emerson Royal? Barca in even bigger mess than us and need to shift players immediately. Um, yeah, it is worth noting that Neto is a client of Kia Jurabshan, uh, an agent that Edu is known to have a good relationship with and an agent who with whom we've dealt with in the past, not always um successfully, uh, it has to be said. But uh, yeah, there is that link there. Um And that that may play a part if Arsenal do decide uh, to pursue a deal for him. Uh, People kind of talking about Emerson Royale. Of course, he was uh, playing his football last season for Real Betis. Now, he was part-owned by Barcelona in the first place. They didn't uh, sign him. They activated a clause in that part-ownership agreement with Real Betis uh, in order to take him over to the Camp Nou on a full-time permanent basis, I don't imagine that he would be up for sale this summer. I know he's someone that's been talked about as a potential replacement for Hector Bayer in that right back, but I don't necessarily uh, see that one coming to fruition. If I'm honest, I can't imagine they'd want to sell him so soon. Um, What else have we got here? What else have we got here? Let's see. Uh, what you guys are saying before we move on. Uh, Big hello to David Huntley who, or Dave Huntley. Sorry, he says, big fan, Harry. Keep up the honest facts and format. Thank you very much, mate. Appreciate your support. Akshat says, Harry, you need to keep on reminding viewers to hit the like button. We have thick skin. I got told off by a couple of people in the comments yesterday uh, for doing that a couple of times on the show yesterday. But as I say, it does really help and it does make the channel grow you know off the back of getting a good like count yesterday's video on ben white did really good numbers and we subsequently gained a load of subscribers off the back of that so um yeah uh i am going to remind you now because there are uh, a fair amount of you watching this live right now across the multiple platforms if you could please uh, hit that like button it would really really help let's set a target let's try and get to 75 likes uh, by the time we finish the stream, that would be really, really helpful, uh, and it's certainly achievable. So please do hit the like button. I'm glad you got thick skin, actually. Uh, cheers. Uh, let's go back over to the live chat. Let's pick up this super chat from Innie. Thank you very much, uh, my friend, for your very, very kind donation to the channel. He says, "Hey Harry, what baffles me is all the talk before the season ended about we have had meetings and know who what, what our targets will be." Now I get this. A lot of Arsenal fans. We're kind of under the impression that um, we were going to go into this summer knowing exactly who it is that we wanted to sign. And I, and I think we did. I think we did have a plan. I do, I, I do think that that was true. I do think that Arsenal, um, you know, had, had worked out what it was they wanted to achieve in the transfer window. The problem is, and I, I say this all the time, with drawing up transfer target lists, it is it is subject to so many things, right? So for example, we could have looked at the midfield and gone, this is our list of players that we're looking at. We're looking at Manuel Locatelli. We're looking at Yves Basuma, We're looking at Ruben Neves. And I'm just using these three as an example, right? Don't, don't buy into what I'm saying here. But the concept is the point I'm trying to say. So Locatelli, number one, Ruben Neves, number two, Yves Basuma number three, let's say. Then when you come to that summer, You've got to then, first of all, be able to afford what it is that club are asking for. And I suppose you'll never really know what they're asking prices until you enter those negotiations. You could probably guess, you could probably estimate what you believe to be a fair price. But, you know, until you sit down and have those negotiations, it's very difficult to do that. So you sit down with, for example, Manuel Locatelli, and you say, We want Manuel Locatelli. He's our number one midfielder. Um, This is what we're going to pay. This is what we can pay. Juventus also want him. Both of you have an offer accepted and Manmo Locatelli decides, I would rather join Juventus than Arsenal. Transfers off, out of your hands, and you move on to the next player on the list. And that's what I'm trying to say. You know, you can have your list of players, but there are so many things that need to fall in place for these deals to be done, especially these high value ones, that you cannot, um, you know, you, you cannot possibly know that Arsenal did not, uh, you know, did not map out their targets. And then you move to, you know, you move down the list. You've, you've tried Locatelli. That's not happening. You move on to Ruben Neves. And Ruben Neves says, um, you know, I- I'm happy to join, but Wolves all of a sudden want more money than you're able to pay. So this is the point, right? We're We're talking about, a a list of players that Arsenal want to sign. We're talking about Arsenal having identified targets previously. Remember that a lot of what we read, a lot of what we hear is bullshit at this time of year as well. Yeah. There are a lot of reports that have credence that have, um, you know, information behind them or they have, you know, sort of something about them. There is something there that's prompted that report. This is a time of the year when football journalists, football outlets, um, media outlets, their primary target is to drive traffic and to drive clicks. And sometimes you can get a story that th- that's this big turned into a story that's this big. And that is where we as fans have to be quite sensible and not get too carried away and too sucked into to certain situations because we don't actually know that all of what we're reading, hearing, uh, predicting during this transfer window is 100% accurate. So to then beat the club with a stick over it is a little bit premature, in my opinion. For all we know, Arsenal could be targeting players right now that they identified six months ago that are at the very top of their list and we just don't know about it yet. You know, th- that could e- that could be the case. You look at Nuno Tavares, you know, you look at that deal. How quickly has that gone from Arsenal being interested to him flying over to England? Happened in a matter of days and we knew nothing about it previously. So that's my point. I get it. I get the frustration and we'd all like to see Arsenal do business quickly, swiftly and preferably with plenty of time ahead of the new season. But um, I will judge the transfer window, as I always do at the end of the window when I've seen what Arsenal have actually managed to achieve because as I always say there are so many factors that can make your list or your you know the players that you've identified unattainable and therefore those transfers don't happen doesn't mean they weren't you didn't plan it out right or you didn't map it out right sometimes there are other factors that get in the way and when you're not a super club with incredible amounts of money that can just go and bully their way into the door um, and get any, um, you know, get any uh, sort of any player you want and and get yourself sat in front of players. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Inter says, uh, Harry, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know this club is a shambles, mate. What is with the constant blind positivity? It's not blind positivity at all. You know, I spent most of last season calling out issues that I felt the team had, you know, certain players not performing. Uh, We have made bad transfers over the years. There's no getting away from that. I'm not, it's not blind positivity. It's looking at things fairly. We're on July 6th. The transfer window doesn't close till the end of August. And because we haven't made marquee signings on July 6th, it doesn't mean we should be going into meltdown. I'm not saying you guys specifically are doing that, but there is a lot of, you know, all oh, the clubs are mess? the clubs are shambles. How many of the big clubs have actually done massive deals right now during the European Championships? Very, very few. Man United haven't officially announced Sancho yet what have Liverpool done that we didn't already know about prior to the championships? Canate is it? We knew about that previously. Chelsea, another club. Nobody's really moving yet. That's the point. So, you know, if we get to the last few days of the window, the last week, the last couple of weeks, then I'll be sitting here by all means saying that Arsenal are not doing the business. And this is something to worry about, but just not right now. I think it's a little bit too early. Let's go back over uh, to the live chat. Captain Caramello says it's not blind positivity; it's fan positivity. Yeah, as as a fan, you've got to be you've got to be positive at times, haven't you? You just be miserable all the time, and then what's the point? If you don't enjoy supporting the club, if you don't get something out of it, then, then what's the point? Uh, let's move on to a couple of other bits and pieces that I wanted to bring you guys up to date on. And we're going to start uh, with Hector Bellerin's future. Now, of course, Hector Bellerin is uh, being heavily, heavily linked with a move away from Arsenal this summer. We know that he wanted to leave the club last summer and that he was asked to stay and to remain uh, by Mikel Arteta. Uh, It appears that Inter have at least reached an agreement with Bellerin uh, with regards to personal terms. Now, of course, Inter have lost or are about to lose Ashraf Hakimi to Paris Saint-Germain. So they are very much in the market for a right back. The big problem is that they've not been, up until now, able to agree a deal with Arsenal uh, with regards to the transfer of the player. Now, we know that Inter are selling Ashraf Hakimi. Why? Because they are bloody cash-strapped. They are in also serious financial difficulty. It's the reason Antonio Conte walked out, having just delivered. The club's first Scudetto in over a decade, Antonio Conte, had a meeting with the owners, with the executives, and decided that his ambition did not match their own, that he'd be unable to build on what he'd already achieved without their backing. And so he decided to walk away. And therefore, it's no surprise to learn that Inter want to take Bellerin uh, on loan with an option to buy him at the end of that season. This is being reported by Sport in Spain. And, of course, Bellerin is being heavily linked with moves to Spain as well. Uh, but they say that that is the case with regards to Inter's interest in the player. Now, for me, this is absolutely ludicrous. You do not send Hector Bellerin out on loan, in my opinion, unless, and, and even still, I don't. it's not my preferred way of going about this, but you do not send him out on loan unless there is an obligation for that club to purchase him for something in the region of 15 to 20 million at the end of that. If that doesn't happen, then, you know, if if that sort of obligation to buy is not in there, then I wouldn't even be considering a loan deal. Really and truly, I don't want Arsenal to do a loan deal regarding Hector Bellerin regardless. But I've said this very sort of frequently over the last month or so. This is a summer where you're going to see a lot of that. You're going to see a lot of clubs taking players on loan with an obligation to buy them at the end and essentially buying themselves an extra 12 months to be able to to put together the funds now that fans are going to be gradually allowed back into the stadiums, now that they're going to be sort of starting to recover from the impacts of the pandemic. As I say, it's not my preference that Hector Bellerin goes out on loan. I think we should just cut our losses and and be rid of him not because i i dislike him or because i'm unhappy with him or anything like that because he clearly wants to move on he clearly needs a new challenge and i don't really see him as being the future for arsenal so um you know that's the uh that's the the way i see that one uh but as i say inter have agreed personal terms with him but they're nowhere near uh according to reports from spain uh agreeing they're nowhere near close to agreeing a deal with arsenal over that transfer, I mentioned Alex Renarsson a little bit earlier on, so we'll we'll leave that. But as I said, he's moving. It looks like uh, to Turkey uh, to join Altispor, and according to Chris Wheatley's information, that is going to be a permanent deal. Uh, elsewhere, I want to talk a little bit about. Uh, well, just quickly mention that Gary Lewin. Uh, of course, famous Arsenal physio, wasn't he? Has been appointed the head of medicine and sports science for the Arsenal women, and that is part of the fact, uh, uh, part of the plan from the club to back the women's team more and to help them along and to to make significant um, further investment into the women's game. So that's great news. Gary Lewin, from what I understand, was already kind of operating in a similar role, but on a part-time basis. And now he will be uh, taking up that role full-time. So that's fantastic news. Um, Also, uh, William Saliba, we talked a lot about that uh, over the last couple of days and that William Saliba uh, prefers a move to Marseille. We've talked about why that probably is a pretty decent fit for William Saliba, in my opinion anyway. But reports have emerged that... Pauli, the Marseille coach, doesn't see William Saliba as a first-choice option at centre-back or doesn't see him as a first-choice target. He is looking at Luan Perez, the Santos centre-back, and there have been reports coming out today suggesting that Marseille have agreed a fee with Santos over the Brazilian Luan Perez's transfer uh, to France. So, Pauli, not sure that William Saliba is ready to step into the heart of his defence just yet and prefers uh, a more experienced option. That's what we're being told. Don't know that that's going to scupper the deal. Um, It is a loan deal, so I'd imagine it's probably very low risk for Marseille. Um, But it just kind of backs up what we were saying yesterday with regards to the fact that, yes, Saliba would prefer um, to, to join Marseille uh, but that that deal was not quite uh, at the stage yet where we could talk about the loan deal being completed. Uh, Diagene uh, says Harry busy trying to belittle Saliba to justify Arteta's as mismanagement. Not at all. I'm just relaying a report that is doing the rounds. Um, it's not my report. I haven't made that up. I haven't plucked that out of the air and made up a story about Sam Pauli not seeing Saliba uh, as experienced enough to play in the heart of his defence. So, um, your uh, sort of uh, comment, my friend, is uh, is misplaced there. Um, also, just wanted to touch on Lacazette a little bit because we talked a bit about. Uh, players potentially leaving the club. Uh, We talked about Rhys Nelson. We talked about Ainsley maitland niles sort of being told that they can leave and being made available for transfer, um, according to reports. But it seems that Arsenal are also open to allowing uh, Alexander Lacazette to move on as well. Now, remember, Alexander Lacazette will be entering the final year of his Arsenal contract. Uh, He is in the final year of his Arsenal contract as of the 1st of July. So... um, what do Arsenal do? Do they extend that? Do they give him uh, an extension and, and sort of plan for the future with Alexander Lacazette? Do they look to cash in on him? Do they keep him there for the time being and risk losing him on a free at the end of the, end of the season? I don't know. I don't know what Arsenal are going to do with this. I've said all along that if Alexander Lacazette is to remain and, you know, I'm not sure what the terms around that would be. Um, you know, but if he is to remain until the end of the season, then the striking position for me is not a major, major priority. However, if he does leave, then it does become an area in which I feel Arsenal need to strengthen. Um, Does Arsenal, you know, do Arsenal, does Mikel Arteta see Gabriel Martinelli as an option there moving forward? I think Mikel Arteta probably does, but I'm not convinced that Martinelli himself believes that that is the position for him. Balogun has obviously been signed up on a on a new contract. Eddie Nketiah looks like he'll probably leave the club as well. So Lacazette's future uh, is quite important, in my opinion, because it could potentially, you know, spark a bit of a chain reaction where Arsenal then need to go out and spend quite substantially on a centre forward. And then what does that mean? For the likes of following Balogun, who's just signed a new contract, and Gabriel Martinelli, who's potentially going to be kind of moulded into a striker, I don't know. Um, you know, it's a, it's an interesting situation, but uh, the reports that were coming out. Uh, yesterday suggested, and I think it was football. London actually that reported that Lacazette could be allowed to leave this summer, and Arsenal are quite open to that. That's an interesting one because I think that means that then we have further work to do in another area that we maybe didn't necessarily plan on doing business this summer. Uh, Let's go back over to the live chat. Uh, Brad says Danny Ings rejected a new contract at Southampton. That's correct. That was reported yesterday by David Ornstein at The Athletic. He says, would you take him? Honestly, no. I like the player. I think he's a good player. I think he's a very competent striker. I think he's someone who has proven that he can score goals at Premier League level. However, his fitness issues are a major, major problem for me. And I just... You know, I've, I don't, is it because we're Arsenal fans? We've kind of been conditioned to like be majorly put off by players that are just injured all the time. I just, I, it doesn't feel like smart business for me. Um, you know, what's he going to want in terms of wages as well? You know, you'd imagine that it's going to be quite significant. I've just talked about a load of striking options that we currently have and, and, you know, where we stand on that. So, you know, maybe if Lacazette goes, then Danny Ing's someone you could think about. But I would argue that we've already got, a striker that likes to run in behind, like Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. And if we lost Lacazette, I think we'd need someone who's a little bit more able to drop into the deeper positions, get involved in the build-up play, link up with those around him, bring others into the game. And I'm not sure Danny Ings is really that man. And therefore, I would say stylistically, he probably doesn't fit. I think having a balanced squad is, a lot of the time, is about Um, having different options and having players who can do certain jobs. I think that's really important in making sure your team does not become one dimensional. And that is being able to have different horses for different courses. And I, with a Bamiyang not going anywhere, I think that, uh, you know, if we'd lost Lacazette, we'd need Lacazette. We need someone of Lacazette's mould, someone who brings to the table what Lacazette brings to the table in order to, to compensate that. Because I do think, A lot of Arsenal's best performances last season, and I know there were very few and far between, came when Lacazette was playing in that role. And it takes a very specific type of striker to play that role. And I just don't see Danny Ings being that man, aside from all the fitness issues that he clearly has uh, had in the past and probably will continue to have. Right, we're going to leave it there, I think. Um, Lots of great chat, as always. Let's quickly check in where we are in terms of the likes. As I always say, it really, really does help um it it really does and i'd love uh for you guys to hit that like button if you haven't done so already i said i wanted 75 we're on 58 uh there's actually over 200 of you watching us right now across the multiple platforms so 100 likes surely is achievable between now and the end of the show come on uh we've got some uh, euro 2020 content dropping for you tomorrow morning where we'll be looking back on the game between uh, Italy and Spain in the Euro 2020 semi-final I've got my Italy shirt on today um, and then we will be also in that piece we'll be reviewing that but we'll also be looking ahead to England versus Denmark which takes place tomorrow and then on Thursday morning we'll be looking back at England versus Denmark um, and then looking at, ahead to the final a little bit as well with the uh, with uh, that to come this Sunday as well. Uh, so plenty of Arsenal content, plenty of Euro content in the mix as well over the coming days. Uh, as I said yesterday, uh, big thank you, or as I said earlier, big thank you to those of you who have signed up uh, to the channel and have subscribed to the channel over the last 24 hours. As I say, we had a massive influx of around about 100 subscribers last night when I was sitting there watching TV, just kept popping up. Subscribers, and amazing. So thank you for your continued support. If you are listening via the audio platforms, don't forget to leave us a review, a five-star one, preferably, uh, because it really, really does help in that sense too. Uh, But thank you all so, so much. I'll catch you all later on. I'm going to be joined by Sophie Nicolau uh, from the Highbury squad this afternoon. We're going to have a good old wag about the Arsenal. We'll take your uh, comments from the live chat box as well. If you fancy joining us for that, that'll be at 4.30pm UK time today, and that'll be available in podcast format from first thing tomorrow morning. Until next time, take care. Ciao. Listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Mark Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.